This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hello, everybody. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good night, whatever time you're listening to this on whatever day it is you're listening to this. Regardless, I'm Jason Ratliff here with Jim Callis and Jonathan Mayo and Identify the Pooch. That's that's my dog. It's not, it's not one of Jim's right out of the gate. Does it have a name? Gozy. My dog. My dog goes. Special guest today. There we go. Actually, we do have a special guest and that's not who I thought it was. How old is that dog, Jonathan? Four. Oh, interesting. Well, I was going to say we have sort of a historic podcast episode today. Do you guys know why it's historic? Is this the anniversary of you getting a dog or something? <laughs> no, no, it, it was not. Do- it was not dog related initially, um, but I, I believe our guest today is the youngest guest in the history of the Pipeline Podcast, uh-huh. Ethan Salas, who signed with the Padres about ten days ago. As we record this, he was the number one ranked international prospect going into the 2023 signing period. Signed with the Padres. Uh, for $5.6 million. Um, but now we have a, a four-year-old guest, but I guess if we go dog years. Ethan would be two. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but yeah, we'll uh, we'll talk to Ethan Salas here in a bit. Uh, but before we do that, we're going to break down some more top 10 by position lists. They're still rolling out. Uh, we covered the pitchers on last week's episode. This week, we're going to hit the infield and the outfield. Uh, as all of these are leading up to the top 100 prospects list, which comes out uh, Thursday, January 26th. Uh, you can watch the reveal of the list on MLB Network at 7 p.m. Eastern. Um, and if you're hearing this after the fact, head over to MLB.com pipeline to check out uh, all kinds of coverage of that top 100 list and these top 10 lists as well. Uh, we're going to wrap up today's podcast how do you guys think we should do it? How about we answer a question? From the mailbag? Yeah, something new. Yeah, let's do it. That's a good idea. Uh, all right. Let's dig into our top 10 lists. Uh, let's start in the infield. Let's go to first base, a uh, list that has not historically been uh, the strongest of position lists. If you look back over the past 20 years uh, since we started putting out uh, ranking prospects back in, in 2004. Uh, there have been fewer first base prospects on the top 100 list than any other position except for second base. And they're kind of neck and neck there. Uh, they've accounted for 3% of those lists each. And in recent years, second base has been gaining on first base. Um, but there have been there have been exceptions. There have been some some studs on these lists. And uh, actually, if you if you look at the first top 10 first base prospects list that we put out, that thing was stacked. Eric Cosmer, Freddie Freeman, Brandon Belt, uh, Jonathan Singleton, still playing, Yonder Alonso, Christian... No, Jonathan Singleton, I think, just got DFA'd yesterday. Oh, he did? Oh. Yes. Still no. playing, though. You're, you're yes. correct, but but not, not not a good day for him yesterday. Didn't, didn't he, uh, he lead the minors in walks last year? Is that right? Am I making that up? I think you're right. And and it was a very strange, like, getting added to the 40-man roster decision. He went on to become the number one ranked first-base prospect uh, down the road in 2013 and 14. Uh, Christian Yelich was a first baseman at the time. Anthony Rizzo. um, Pretty pretty solid bunch there. Um, Let's uh, fast forward now uh, a dozen years. And talk about this year's list. Um, I, I guess the highest ranked first base prospects we've ever had on the top 100 have been uh, Spencer Torkelson, um, Casey Kochman, Eric Hosmer, Justin Smoke, Prince Fielder, all top 10 sort of guys. Do we have Do we have anybody on this year's list? It seems like we don't have anybody of, of that sort of caliber. 
Is that fair? No. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I was going to say, like, Tristan Casas, you know, is, is the top first base prospect. And I think that was a pretty easy choice, Jonathan. Um, and it, it, But I, I describe him more as uh, solid than spectacular. Like, I, I do think we might see a better version of him in the big leagues than we saw in the minors once he gets going. Because he, and we, and we both saw this in the fall league, I guess it was two years ago, Jonathan. He does not deviate from his approach. He looks to hit the ball hard from gap to gap. He does not chase very much. He does not try to yank and pull and launch pitches out of the park. He just tries to hit the ball hard from gap to gap. And I'm not saying he's going to be a 62 home run guy by any means. But if you go back and you look at Aaron Judge in the minors, that was and Aaron Judge was older. Costa signed out of high school. Judge signed out of Fresno State. That was Aaron Judge. We saw that in the fall league with Aaron Judge. I don't think Aaron Judge ever slugged 500 in the minors at any level um, or, or for any full season. Um, and then we got to the big leagues. He got more aggressive, started turning on more pitches and, and the power came. And I, and I do think that that's why we keep putting a, a really healthy, you know, I think we went to what 65 on Casas's power in the 20 scouting scale. Um, I, I'm, and, you know, he's going to hit, he's going to draw walks. I'll be very curious to see how much power manifests itself when all is said and done. But I, I do think he's one of those guys who's going to be, more power in the big leagues than he was in the minors. Yeah, I think I, I think you might be right there, and uh, I think with a lot of these guys, there are a lot of these guys that I feel some confidence that they're going to hit, and uh, you know, and then it's going to be a question of just are they going to put up the kind of you know elite level run production numbers, uh, you know that turns them into like, oh, this was a good prospect to like a really, really good, maybe all-star level major league player. And I, I don't know, you know, I mean, I think Tyler Soderstrom's going to hit. He's still splitting time between first base and catcher. We'll see what happens there. And then some of the, like the, you know, some of the newer names, like I'm a huge Kyle Manzardo fan. He's number three on the list. And, you know, I think I, I liked him coming out of the draft. Uh, my part of the country in Washington state, uh, you know, look, Looked like a college performer, um, you know, huge numbers in his junior year. And then uh, I think he performed better than I would have even thought, especially power-wise. Uh, I thought he was going to be kind of a guy who might hit 300 but might not hit for a ton of power right away. And then, you know, he hit 22 homers and slugged over 600, uh, you know, including making it up to double A, and he continued to hit there. So I, I – I think he has a chance to be a really, really good offensive performer once he gets to the big league. So he's a, of the sort of guys on this list, the one that I have sort of the the biggest up arrow next to just because I think of, of what he's capable of doing at the big league level beyond what we thought he might be entering pro ball. Real quick, uh, we've, we've mentioned a few times uh, the guys on this list. Why don't we say who the guys on this list are? Uh, mentioned a couple, Tristan Casas at the top, number one, uh, Tyler Sautis from, uh, an addition to the list, uh, as his position has, has changed now from catcher to first base. Um, Kyle Manzardo that Jonathan just mentioned, number three, for the Rays, Matt Mervis, and another new addition to the list, the Cubs is at four, uh, yet another new addition to the list, Jordan Diaz, uh, giving the A's two, uh, players on this list. Michael Togley has a carryover from, uh, last year's list moves up one spot uh, to number six. Grant Levine, another Rockies prospect, is number seven. Um, Ivan Melendez of the D-backs is eight. Xavier Isaac of the Rays is nine, so a pair of Rays on the list as well. And uh, the Red Sox with another member of this list, Nico Cavadas. Three, what is that, one, two, three teams with uh, a pair? Four, four teams with a pair, which I believe we said is the first time that's ever happened in uh, however many lists. What What is it? Uh, 11, how, 12 years we've put these out, eight lists each. Uh, and we've never had a list with, with four teams with two players each. That would be quite um, the poker hand, although people would wonder how you had eight cards. In your <laughs> what, I was like, what kind of poker are you playing? <laughs> um, yeah. It, Quite a bit of turnover from last year. Uh, 
got names uh, Torkelson, Prado, Dustin Harris, Juan Yepes, Benny Pasquantino, Seth Beer, Luke and Baker, uh, all off the list. And we saw all of those guys in the big leagues last year. Did they all no, graduate? Not, not Dustin Harris. Dustin Harris oh, sorry, is yeah. an outfielder. I, I will, this is the hardest list to put together every year because just the sheer number of players who qualify at first base, like on our lists, it's usually like 20 guys total. Um, because usually, uh, you know, for obvious reasons, first base is a position of last resort. And so <laughs> what all, what often happens is a, we don't have a lot of guys and B when we do the midseason update, like guys have moved to different positions. Sometimes we lose guys just because of a position qualifying. So it, it's definitely the hardest list because there are very few people who are primarily first basemen who are high quality prospects in the minors relative to other positions. All right. Shall we move on to second base? Uh, so, yeah, I mentioned in talking about the first first baseman that historically uh, first and second base have been uh, the least represented positions on top 100 lists, but that second baseman have been sort of gaining on first baseman in recent years. And uh, in our story, uh, when we put out the top 10 second base prospects list, Jim, you kind of touched on that, that uh, second base has been one of the, you know, considered one of the least toolsy positions, but uh, we've been seeing more and more second basemen work their way into the first round of the draft, and that's reflected in in these lists. Yeah, I think we've seen, especially in the last couple of years in particular, teams are putting a premium on hitting ability. I mean, like, look, you, you always want to draft players who can hit. Like, like that's not new. But I, I think the, the, rel- the importance of hitting over all the other tools is really standing out. And so you're seeing more second basemen go in the first round. In fact, I mean, I wrote the story, so I know it's off the top of my head. In the last five drafts, we've had six second basemen go in the first round. Michael Bush to the Dodgers in 19, Nick Gonzalez to the Pirates, Justin Foskey to the Rangers, Nick York to the Red Sox in 2020, Termar Johnson to the Pirates, and Jace Young to the Tigers last year. Those six first basemen going in the first round matches the total from the first 35 drafts. And that's just in the last five. Um, the 2020 and 2022 drafts are only the third and fourth time in draft history that we've had multiple second basemen go in the first round. And not a surprise, all, all six of those guys are on our top 10. Um, it's a very hitter, hitterish group of, of second basemen. And even though, you know, I, I think we've talked about how there aren't a lot of second basemen on the top 100. Are we allowed to reveal how many are, or are we not allowed to reveal that? You've been doing it, so what's stopping you now? Oh, okay. okay. Anyway, three, the top three guys on our list, Termar Johnson, Michael Bush, and Jace Young, are on the top 100. But even though they're not, Justin Foscue, Zach Geloff, Nick Gonzalez, and Nick York all have been on the top 100 in the past. So I, I do really feel like it is becoming a more yeah. high-profile position. Uh, than it has been in and a I'll, And I'll add that Connor Norby and, and I get to say it one more time, Edouard Julien, um, uh, were, have entered into the conversation for the top 100, even if they didn't make it. So I, I, I feel like the sort of, the, the sort of description of the position has changed. And while you still have guys who were shortstops as amateurs who, who move over, uh, I don't think it's no longer thought of as like the position you go to when you're not good enough to play shortstop. Um, and maybe just because the o- offensive profile has changed so much, it's now become a position that there's, I think, a certain level of expectation uh, offensively. But I, 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 I just feel like it, the tenor has changed a little bit. And with that, you, you know, we've seen these guys who have gone in the first or, or even second round, say, uh, or have become thought of as top prospects, even though they're their second baseman at a younger age. Uh, we have a couple guys in Nick Gonzalez and Nick York, uh, the Knicks, uh, who've dropped considerably from last year's list to this year's list. Nick Gonzalez was number one on the 2022 preseason top 10 second base prospects list. Nick York was number three. They're now number numbers eight and nine. Uh, Tamar Johnson at the top of the list for the Pirates. Um, you know, looking back historically at the second base list, guys who have uh, been ranked the highest on top 100 prospects list, second baseman include Yohan Moncada, who was number one overall uh, midseason 2017. 
Um, also ranked second a couple times. Uh, Dustin Ackley was number five. Ricky Weeks ranked in the top <clears throat> 10 a couple times. Ozzy Albies, Howie Kendrick, Mookie Betts, Josh Barfield, uh, Luis Urias, Keston Herrera, all ranked in the top 20. Uh, I would I would imagine Tamar Johnson kind of belongs in that conversation. Of top second base prospects ever? Is that what you... Yeah, yeah I mean, a, a guy who could... could you know, certainly crack the, the top 20 overall. Yes, I think so. I just, because I know we've talked about him and he's a, a friend of the pod, uh, joining us last year, you know, the, the, the hit tool is so special. Uh, you know, we've talked a lot about how he, you know, a lot of amateur scouts thought he was one of the best pure high school hitters they've seen in a very, very long time. And I think he has a chance to move quickly through the system because of that, uh, there's going to be power uh, that you wouldn't expect from someone his size. Um, you know, and uh, talking to uh, the Pirates and, and people sort of in the Tamar Johnson camp, he had, not that he was in bad shape, uh, but he spent his first offseason as a pro uh, getting in even better shape. Uh, you know, people who were excited about him and didn't, you know, he, he was fine during his pro debut, but it wasn't anything to, to write home about. I, I think he is going to hit the ground running and and show that he is one of the best pure hitting prospects in all of baseball. So I would agree with that assessment that he belongs in that conversation. Yeah, I mean, not, not only did scouts say he was one of the best high school hitters in years, I mean, I, I consistently ask people, like, who's the last high school hitter who was this good? And, and nobody could come up with a name just in terms of pure hitting ability. So, um, yeah, I, it, it, I'm so excited to see, you know, th- these elite high school players, and we'll probably discuss a few of them more as we go on. But just from last year's draft between Termar Johnson and Drew Jones and Jackson Holiday and Elijah Green, very, very much looking forward to seeing how they hit the ground running in full season ball this year. Okay, let's uh, move behind the plate. And uh, we are going to talk about the top 10 catching prospects and uh this will lead us nicely into uh the top catching prospect in this year's international class who will be joining us momentarily uh ethan salas this year's um top 10 catchers prospects let's oh look francisco alvarez at the top uh reigning uh number one overall prospect from 2022 of the mets followed by diego cartaya of the dodgers another met Kevin Parada at number three, Harry Ford of the Mariners, four, Logan Ohapi of the Angels, five, Indy Rodriguez and Henry Davis, a pair of Pirates, and then Bo Naylor uh, of the Guardians, then Drew Romo of the Rockies, and Edgar Cuero of the Angels. Um, guys, I guess uh, not, a, not a lot of surprise there with Alvarez at the top, but your, your general impressions of this year's catcher's crop? 20 to 80, Jonathan, what are you putting on it? I'll go 50 on this year's catch. I'll go 55. I think there's some upside here. I think the one, I can see one reason to sort of hold back is there, you know, a couple guys on here, you're like, all right, you don't know if they're going to catch, but, uh, or how good they are going to be behind the plate. But I I think it's a pretty good list. Um, I feel like last year, and I don't, I don't have last year's preseason list in front of me. It maybe was a little bit deeper, but, um, I think there's some guys with some pretty good upside here. Last year's list, uh, by the way, Rutschman, Moreno, Alvarez, Davis, Cartaya, Bart, Campusano, Melendez, Soderstrom, and Langliers. Yeah, good list. that's a good list. Um, the Mets with two of the top three. Uh, the only other time a team has had two of the top three catching prospects since we started putting out top 10 position lists was, it was 2011. No. Another team. Jonathan just said no. No, I said it. Whoa, 2011. <laughs> oh, okay. I thought he was talking no. to his dog. I, I thought he. I thought he was. T- he was making the dog heal or something. <laughs> 2011. So before my time at MLB.com, do we do we get a clue? Do we get a clue? sure? Same same city. Well, they're the same team, right? No. What I'm saying it's uh, same city as as the two oh. from this year's list. Different team, same city. Was it Gary Sanchez and Jesus Montero? It was. Well, and what's interesting is I think somewhat similar to this year's guys, 
neither of those guys was exactly a gold glover behind right. the plate. Um, and, and I think that's, that's why I kind of went 50. While I, I love the offensive upside of a lot of these guys, I think between Alvarez and Parada, and you could also probably say the same with Indy Rodriguez and Henry Davis with the Pirates, like, it's possible that in the long run, maybe only one of those guys winds up behind the plate. Um, but, but all of them have very interesting bats, but yeah. Um, I, I, I feel, I feel more bullish about Alvarez and Parada than Montero and Sanchez turned out. But at the time I, me, baseball American, you guys, MLB, we were probably all very bullish on Montero and, and Gary Sanchez. Cause I didn't think, I, I didn't think Montero was a catcher, but I didn't think there was any way he wasn't going to hit and he didn't hit. Um, so, right. so there's, so goes to show you. Another interesting thing about this list is the fact that Andy Rodriguez has hopped over Henry Davis. Uh, Davis was number four on last year's list and now, uh, sits at seven behind, uh, Andy Rodriguez, who is number six. Yeah. I think there, you know, went back and forth on that one. Talked to some people with the, with the pirates, um, you know, and I think that there are some people internally who, would put Andy ahead of Henry Davis. And that kind of convinced me, uh, you know, Davis had, uh, you know, a rough year with the injuries. He missed a lot of time. He hit pretty well when he was healthy, didn't look great in the fall league. Um, so I think there's some question marks with Andy Rodriguez. Like, I don't, I don't know if he's ever going to be like an everyday catcher. I don't know that he needs to be, he's going to hit and he's, and, and the catching has been pretty good and it's gotten a lot better as he got more reps. So, you know, I think those are among the reasons why we sort of ended up moving Rodriguez ahead of Davis. Would you say that uh, in, in looking at this list, would you say that Rodriguez has as much helium as anyone on the list? Or would that maybe go to Harry Ford? Uh, well, Harry Ford was a first right. round pick. So I think he was already famous coming into year. I I think you could, Jonathan. But I mean, I think Logan ohoppy has got a lot of helium, right. too. It, it, um, I think he, no, no, no. Uh, it's okay. Finish with your thought. It's okay. I, I was going to say, like, I don't think he was really on a lot of radars in 2021, and he was really good in the fall league. And I know, Jonathan, sometimes I have trouble when you see a guy really good in the fall league, and it's a small sample size, and it's a hitter-oriented league. Like, I sometimes like guard myself against. Okay, I don't want to read too much in the fall league, but like, hey, Logan Ohapi was real pretty good. And then this year, at some point in the year, I realized from from talking to more scouts and as he continued to perform, like that wasn't an AFL, you know, mirage. Like Logan Ohapi is one of the best catching prospects in baseball. I'd, I'd say he or Indy Rodriguez probably similar. Yeah, I, I would agree. Indy Rodriguez probably has some louder individual tools. Ohapi is just kind of good at everything. Um, and I think you know, it, it's good that we're recognizing the industry has recognized that, you know, he probably has the highest floor of anybody on this. Like, I think he's going to be an everyday big league catcher as soon as the angels give him the job, which might be now. Um, and, uh, you know, but he doesn't have, you know, plus plus power an absolute hose of an arm, uh, you know, things like that. He, he just does everything really well while you know working harder than any human being uh you know seems to uh so i think that's he he, he's going to reach that floor and and maybe be better than the tools may suggest because of because of that yeah jonathan i thought it was he was a good pick when you did highest floor for top 10 catching prospects because i think he's right there with drew romo defensively on this list and i feel better about his offensive game than drew romo may almost everybody else in this list well, yes, everybody else in this list besides those two, you think of the bat before you think of the defense. And Ohapi is a definite catcher who can catch and throw. And I think he's he's going to hit enough. I, I, I really think Logan Ohapi – well, you, you remember when they made the trade for Brandon Marsh. And look, the Phillies aren't complaining. They went to the World Series and he helped short center field. I think in the long run that trade's going to be a steal for the Angels because I just think it's hard to find catchers. And I, I think that yep. was a great get for the Angels. No, I agree with that. I will say my hot take – is that at this point next year, Harry Ford is going to be the number one catcher on this list. That's my guess. I, I might try to out-hot take you and say that Diego Cartaya could be the number one prospect on the top 100 next wow. year. Wow. 
So, well, we're both hot take. Jason, do you have a hot take to throw in? What's your we're gonna have take? a gonna have a battle on our our hands there. Well, I think that's that's kind of what I was referring to with helium for Harry Ford. Uh, you know, considering the fact that he was a first round pick, but he seems to be moving up. And uh, yeah, I'm gonna latch on to I'm gonna latch on to Jonathan's hot take there. I'm gonna I'm gonna ride the helium rising with Harry Ford. Uh, so Harry Ford is, is the second youngest player on the list. Edgar, Edgar Cuero is the youngest. They're both 19. Um, Ethan Salas, uh, I guess, was there any consideration given, was his name discussed at all when you put together this top 10 catchers list? And how how rare is it? I mean, I don't I don't know that we've ever... Have we ever put a player, uh, an international signing, straight onto the list? I guess it used to be different because they were July. signing in July, and we put out a midseason list in August. But I mean, it's it's pretty rare that we we put a 16 year old on the top 100 list, certainly. Um, but the top 10 catchers list a little bit uh, different situation there. Uh, was it was it a consideration at all? Not really. I mean, we've talked on the podcast. I think we had a mailbag question about whether Salas, who's really exciting prospect, obviously, uh, you know, whether he'd go in the top 100 overall. And, you know, I think we discussed like the guys who jumped out of the international list straight onto list were guys like Kevin Maitan, which hasn't held up, um, Jason Dominguez, which has held up, and uh, Victor Victor Mesa, which has not held up. And it's it's just tough to take. I think, I mean, on ceiling, sure. On ceiling, we could put him on the top 10 catchers list. But you factor in all these other guys have had some level of performance and success in pro ball for the most part. You know, product came straight out of the draft, but he could perform well, you know, at a very high level against college competition. Uh, it, it's just different. And, and I think I'm just more comfortable. As good as he is, I just think it's easier unless it's just, you know, unbelievable buzz around the guy to wait and see how he does, at least in the DSL or the or complex league before we go crazy. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And uh, I don't know what, you know, where the Padres will send him. It wouldn't surprise me if he skips the DSL and, and goes to, to the, you know, Arizona complex league. And, and then we'll have at least some data and some information and we can talk to scouts. You know, it, it wouldn't surprise me if he's on this list, at this time next year and, you know, with a, an outside possibility, depending on who graduates off and things like that, that he's added, you know, when we re-rank in the midseason, season, uh, you know, once he's gotten going with actually playing professional games. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's talk to the young man, Ethan Salas. Uh, we're going to bring in uh, Jesse Sanchez to join uh, you guys as well. And uh, we'll hear from the number one prospects, from this year's international class, Ethan Salas. That's coming up next on the MLB Pipeline Podcast. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Welcome back to the MLB Pipeline Podcast. I am Jonathan Mayo. I'm along with Jim Callis. And uh, we uh, we had such a special guest that we needed to call in the, the big guns to, to help us out. So Jesse Sanchez is here uh, with us to, to welcome in uh, the number one international prospect and now a member of the San Diego Padres organization, Ethan Salas. Ethan, thank you so much for uh, for coming with us, uh, for joining us uh, here today, uh, let's just start with what the the last you know several days has has been. Can you take us through uh, what must have been the, just the pure excitement of beginning your professional career? Yeah, no, the past couple of days have been crazy. Uh, 
it's a it's a day we've been working for 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 a long time now, and uh, just super happy it's here and how everything's how everything's been going. Uh, couldn't be more happy with how everything's going. Ethan, it, it seems like baseball is kind of the the Salas family business, right? I mean, your father, your grandfather, your uncle all played professionally. We, Jonathan, and I got to see your brother Jose play in the Arizona Fall League this year. He's one of the top prospects in the Marlins system. How long have you been playing baseball, and how long did you know this is what you wanted to do as a career? Uh, I've been playing baseball my whole life, man. I've uh, always been, always watching my dad play, my my uncle play, uh, my brother obviously plays. So all three, all three, my all two of my brothers play. So always like my whole life, just been around baseball. Always had fun with it. Really started taking it serious around like twelve, thirteen ish, fourteen ish. So just always, always been in my blood, and felt like it was always what I had to do. You know, hey Ethan. It's good to see you. It's finally good to see you here. It's we've been feel like we've been writing about you for a long time, and with you, I've been speaking with your father and your family members for a while now. So it's really good to uh, to connect, uh, and yeah. it's it's really cool to see all the exposures you're getting too. I, you know, meeting media in San Diego on MLB Network. You know, letting people. Yeah. I think people knew about your your talents physically, but I think they're getting to see, you know, how mature you are and and your makeup and that kind of thing. And, and one of the things that keep coming up is uh, in some ways how you could be a role model for other international prospects because of, you yeah. know, your your makeup, um, how hard you work and, and those things, but also your ability to navigate in English and Spanish. That's been something mm-hmm. that, you know, has, has gained some positive attention. You know, so can yeah. you tell us, you know, did you take classes at home? Did your family speak English at home? And, and why did you think that's important for you to learn and, and possibly for others to learn? No, I've always in, uh, in my household, we've always speak both languages, uh, English and Spanish. Uh, in baseball, it's really important. You play with guys all over, all across the world, you know, you never you never know who you're not on the field with or in the clubhouse with. So uh, communi- having that communication with uh, guys from everywhere is really important for me as a leader and as a catcher. Most importantly, um, just think it's really important as a baseball player to uh, to know how to how to be good at life as, as along with baseball, you know what I mean? So just... um. Just uh, just learning that as a young age and uh, being being good at it, it's, it's been a blessing, man. It's really been a blessing. I, I was going to ask you, Ethan, I think especially given the position you play, yeah. I, I think it's great, you know, even if you're a center fielder to, to, to be bilingual. You know, those of us on our podcast, we're, we're barely, we barely speak one language correctly, so I'm always impressed. <laughs> but, you know, behind the plate, you haven't even had to sort of navigate back and forth, but... Uh, you know, as much as you are about to, do you feel that that gives you, uh, you know, not, not an, you know, a huge advantage, you know, because the, the tools will help whether you speak English or not, but a, a little bit of an edge as you go in and you're going to be, you know, catching pitchers pretty soon, you know, from Latin America, but also from the States and being able to right out of the gate, be able to communicate with them. And that's such a huge part of your gig. Yeah, of course. Um, definitely a plus. Being able to talk to all types of guys, uh, especially with your infield, you know, you're gonna have a one guy from VZ, another guy from DR. So like, it's it's a uh, it's really important, man, just to be able to communicate with your with your whole team, not only your pitcher, but uh, with your coaching staff and your and your and your middle infield and your outfield. It's just it's really been a plus, and um, just super important as a leader as well. So I really I really take pride in that. How much of a whirlwind, Ethan, has it been for you recently? I mean, I, I know you're from Venezuela. I believe you went to the Fall League to see your brother play. I think you were at the... No, no, I didn't. Okay. Uh, pot, you know, going to San Diego for the signing, you know, the Padres Dominican Complex. You've been bouncing around. Do you have any... What has that been like? And, and do you have a sense of, of what's going to happen spring training-wise and, and this summer? Have they laid out any kind of plan for, for what you're going to do going forward? Uh, yeah, these past couple of weeks have been hectic. Uh been on a plane here and there and living out of the luggage but uh i think the plans are i go to san diego in a couple of days uh spend some time over there and then i'll go to arizona for a couple of days and i think back to san diego so i'm really just going back and forth between san diego and arizona but uh should be fun uh spring training starts soon so i think i'll be down there in arizona uh wherever aj tells me to go i'm, I'm there yeah i have a question for you so in the international world international prospect world everyone always points to uh, yes, finding the get the next Miguel Cabrera. Yeah, he is like the unbelievable international prospect. It's almost unreal to unfair to compare international prospects to this guy who's going to go in the Hall of Fame. But he's been yeah. really good when he was fourteen, when he was fifteen, 
And really, he's the last person I really remember as being 15 or 16 years old playing in the, the Venezuela Winter League. You know, and then I saw you were going to play it. You played in that. Yeah. So what was that experience like playing in Venezuela with all these professionals, with all these people with much more experience than you? Can you just explain what that was like? No, it was a really fun experience. I uh, got to share the clubhouse with a lot of uh, big league guys, a lot of a lot of people who spent their whole lives around baseball, man, just being able to see what that's like and um, just be around the game because uh, baseball, baseball and uh, professional baseball and uh, amateur baseball are really very different things, you know what I mean? So just learning how to be a professional in a clubhouse and uh, earning a spot on a on a winter ball team is it's not it's no walk in the park. So just uh, I had a fun experience, and uh, it's really going to me, help me with my, uh, my starting my career as a Padre now. Ethan, I'm going I'm to quote from Jesse's report on our site, which claims that you have the chance to be the best member, best baseball player in the, in the family. Is that something that, uh, that you're hoping you know, come, comes true? Do you want to be able to say, like, say I'm better than all of you? Of course. That's what I work for, man. We, we're always competing in this family, so it's a health, healthy competition, uh, but at the end of the day, business is business, and uh, I got to take care of that. So as far as that's, that's what I'm pushing for. You know, Ethan, in terms of your ability, obviously you're 16, so you're not a, a finished product yet. But you know, looking at, at Jesse's scouting report, you know, pretty glowing. You know, plus hitter, plus arm, solid defense, at least average power, average runner, which is really outstanding for a catcher. What part of your game do you take the most pride in, and what part do you think needs the most work at this point? No, I definitely take pride in being a leader behind the plate. Um, Taking care of things in the batter's box, too, is really really something I take pride in. What I got to work on, no, just keeping all the tools sharp. I think I have a pretty well-rounded game. Just uh, just keeping everything sharp and consistent, I'd say, and just uh, getting better every day. Hey, one of the things you mentioned earlier I found really interesting was about the difference between amateur baseball and pro baseball. What are the some of the things that really stood out to you, and, and what are the things you feel like uh, you kind of need to you – know, you had to pick up and you need to – put into your next phase of your career? No, I think I, I adapted to pro ball pretty pretty well. I mean, I've been around my family my whole life, so they've been around it. Just uh, hearing things uh, as an amateur going in there, I think it made me pretty ready. Uh, just uh, turning, becoming, a, uh, being a kid and turning into a man, you know, it's it's just really a di- the, the difference, uh, the, the difference maker, you know? So just, just being a professional, I know, in amateur baseball, you know, having fun sometimes and uh, you're not taking things too serious, but uh, in professional, it's your job now. So got to act like a professional, you know what I mean? So I think those, that's a big, uh, big difference. People can't see this cause this is, you know, only a, a podcast, but uh, Ethan, I see speaking of being a professional, like you've, you've already got the, the yellow and brown of the Padres on. Are you just, are you sleeping in Padres gear? I'm just, is it just always, uh, you're just ready to go. No, no, no. <laughs> No, no, no. I'm just. I uh, I was training this morning, so I figured had to step aside and make time for this. So, <laughs> just, I'm always working, never take time off. Just right, but it's. I mean, it's a it's a labor of love. I can tell. My question for you, speaking of you know, having to work at a thing, is is catching. Is you know, I don't know if members of your family try to dissuade you to you know say you know what catching's tough, man. It wears down your body and and things like that. How did you get attracted to the position and? Did people ever try, especially because, you know, as Jim pointed out, you, you are athletic, so you, yeah. you certainly could probably handle other positions. But what, why the draw to, to catching? No, I've, just, I've always been catching since I was like, since I started playing baseball, I've always been a catcher. My dad was a catcher. And I really felt like just standing in the outfield waiting for something to happen was never really my thing. So I always wanted to be in the play, be in the game, like 100% of the time. So I think catching really drove my attention. Are there catchers? Who, you know, I know Jesse mentioned Miguel Cabrera as, you know, the sort of the standard bearer of all international prospects. But are there catchers? Um, and I should make you pick someone other than Yadi Molina, I guess, because he's the one who always comes up. But like, are there catchers that you you watch the way they go about their their business or hitters the way they go about their business that you, you know, if not copy, you know, just like the way they do things? I like uh, Salvi, Romuto. Those those two guys are really my my one and two. Um Hitting wise, uh, I really like Bryce Harper, man. I really, I really like how he goes about things in the box. So I, I really look up to those guys. Also, in terms of other players, Ethan, I always like to ask guys this: 
Who is the, the best player, you know, maybe, you know, roughly your age group that you've either played with or against somebody that maybe we don't know a lot about now, but we will in, in, in future years? Um, spent some time with Daniel Flores, uh, rest in peace. Um, he was, he was one of the best guys, uh, I think I ever got to share a field with at, at a young age. Um, in terms of now, right now, uh, I shared the field with some of the guys of my year, um, Celestin, uh, Duno, I spent some, shared the field with him a couple of times. Uh, those, those guys, in terms of like rankings and, uh, best players, if you would say, around my age, so. All right. Well, Ethan, I know that you said that uh, you took some time out from training. We don't want to get you in any trouble with it with AJ Preller. So we're uh, we're going to let you go. Thank you so much uh, for taking the time out uh, as you're just getting started. No, no problem, and we're looking forward to uh, to seeing you uh, on a backfield and then on the big field someday in the future. And we can say we we talked to you way back when. So thanks very much. And, and good luck as you get your uh, your pro career started for real. Hey, thank you. Thank you guys for having me. It was a pleasure. Thanks, Ethan. We're going to take a quick break, and when we're back, we'll have much more on the MLB Pipeline Podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the MLB Pipeline Podcast. Jason Ratliff here with Jim Callis and Jonathan Mayo. Thanks very much to uh, Jesse Sanchez for joining us. And thanks to Ethan Salas for joining us on the show. And I should note that um, we talked about Ethan's brother, uh, I think even uh, referred to as a Marlins prospect. Uh, That interview was recorded approximately three hours before his brother Jose was traded. Um in the Twins Marlins deal uh, that included Pablo Lopez and another minor leaguer Byron Churio going to uh, the Twins and the Marlins getting Luis Arias from Minnesota. So uh, that was interesting timing there. Uh, but thanks again to Ethan for joining us. He's uh, extremely polished for a 16 year old uh, in the international class. So uh, our thanks to him for spending the time with us. Let's now move on and go back to our top 10 prospects list. We have three more uh, position lists that uh, we want to cover. Third base, shortstop, outfield. Um, The third base list is uh, one where we've had some pretty big names, including uh, a number one overall prospect in Vladimir Guerrero Jr. We had uh, Chris Bryant, who ranked number two. Miguel Sano, Spencer Torkelson, Nick Senzel, Rafael Davers, uh, other guys who ranked in the top five. Uh, Jordan Walker was on this list last year. Uh, looking at this year's list, um, we start with Gunnar Henderson, followed by Brett Beatty of the Mets, Curtis Mead of the Rays, Josh Young uh, of the Rangers, Miguel Vargas of the Dodgers, Jacob Berry of the Marlins, Cam Collier Collier of the Reds, Colt Keith of the Tigers, Kobe Mayo of the Orioles, and Davison De Los Santos of the D-backs. Guys, this list, your thoughts, uh, any any sort of general impressions when you put this one together? Uh, You know, I think it's a pretty good list. I think there have been times third base has been a little tricky. It is interesting how many how many guys in those are seeing times at other at other positions, you know. Some of it's you know it's hard to know whether a guy will stick at third or in the case of Gunnar Henderson, you know, move to third once he gets to the big leagues. Although he played both in the minors, obviously. I don't know that this feel this list feels strong compared to some previous ones at this position, Jim. What do you think? 
Yeah, no, there, there's a lot of offensive firepower here. And I, I was thinking the same thing, Jonathan. If, if you look at the list, you know, Gunnar Henderson, Brett Beatty, Curtis Mead, Josh Young, Miguel Vargas, Jacob Berry. Well, you just read them off. I, Jason, I don't know why I'm doing the same thing. <laughs> anyway, I, I was thinking we hadn't read them off yet. I don't know what I'm doing. Anyway, of that list, I think the only two guys who are surefire third basemen, and that's if, if the Orioles don't play Henderson at short, are Gunnar Henderson and Josh Young. Like, like, so I, I think you're dead on. A lot of these guys might wind up moving, but that just speaks to the offensive firepower that these guys have. I mean, I would think, you know, especially the first seven guys on this list, I'm going to be shocked if those guys don't hit in the big leagues, hit for average and hit for power. You know, Cole Keith had a monster year last year among injuries. Kobe Mayo and, and Davis and Del Santos have a ton of power. Um, it's a, it's a very offensive minded list. Very impressive. And we should see, I would think a good amount of turnover on this list because the top five are all projected to be in the big leagues this year. Um, how many of these guys do you think graduate off this list this year? Well, Henderson and Vargas and Young are all going to graduate in the first two weeks of the season. You know, Brett Beatty's got a decent amount of playing time. So I think those four for sure. Um, you know, Meade hasn't played, you know, as much at that level, but I, I think we're going to lose all five of them. He's ready. Yeah. Yeah. I think we will too. So who, who's number one? Who's our number one third baseman in Mid-season? 2023? Cam Collier. No, 2023. I guess I should say two. How about for 2024? Like, like a year from now, Cam Collier. Cam Collier. I, I'm going to stick with Jacob Berry. Um, who, who I just loved. I love both those guys in last year's draft. Um, but it'll be interesting because we could have we could have a shakeup because it's very possible that the five guys who don't graduate, two or three of them wind up playing predominantly other positions this year by the end of the season too. That's also true. So it'll be. I, I think that you're right, Jason. I mean, between the the graduates and the volatility, uh, we we could have more turnover here than, than maybe any of our lists. We have almost an entirely new list next year. I should put a shout out for my nephew Kobe Mayo, but you know, should make a claim that he could move up, but. Yeah, I don't want to be accused of nepotism. We're going to have so many holes on third base list. We're going to have Kobe Mayo and Jonathan Mayo next year on the list. Wow. Yes, yes. An over 50 left-handed third baseman is going to make the top you 10. you got quick feet. I'm confident <laughs> you can turn and throw quickly. So I appreciate that. Okay, let's uh, move on to the shortstop list, which is always a powerhouse. Um, look back. Look back 10 years ago at the shortstop list, uh, Jerickson Profar, Francisco Lindor, Javier Baez, Xander Bogarts, Carlos Correa, um, very solid list there. Manny Machado was number one on the list in 2011 and 2012. Um, Fernando Tatis has topped this list. Wander Franco. Or Seager too, right? Uh, Seager was number one. Yep. in in 2016, uh, Bobby Witt Jr. was number one last year, uh, and it's, it certainly hasn't just been the number one guy uh, over the course of these uh, of those years. Um, that's gone on to a lot of big league success. But this, this, you know, this is probably uh, the sexiest position in terms of our top ten lists uh, on the hitter side. Uh, this and outfield, I guess. Um, this year's list starts with a couple of. Uh, guys from the AL East and Anthony Volpe and Marcelo Meyer of the Yankees and Red Sox. That could be a fun one to watch. Uh, unfold. You could throw oh. Gunnar Henderson in there too, because we don't know exactly where he's going to play. I mean, yeah. he, he played a little more at third than short, but you could it could almost have been the yep. top three guys where AL East and, and Jackson Holiday is not lurking too far behind. Exactly. LA De La Cruz is third with the Reds, Jordan Lawler fourth, D-backs, and then there's Holiday at five, uh, followed by Jackson Merrill. Who made a big jump last year? The Padres, Marco Luciano, who did not make a big jump last year, uh, was dropped a couple spots from where he was on the 2022 list. Uh, Giants shortstop Ezekiel Tovar, Rockies shortstop is number eight, Noelvi Marte of the Reds, number nine, Brooks Lee, uh, recent draftee of the Twins, uh, is number 10. Uh, I mean, I, I guess every year when we look at this list, it's impressive. Um, and Maybe it's hard to compare it to to past years, but can you, can you guys give a, a twenty to eighty scouting grade on this one? Ooh, Rel, just relative to, I mean, I, I think you have to frame it relative to 
the other shortstop list, not relative to all other top 10 uh, position lists. I'd go 60. You yeah. could go 65 maybe if you wanted, but I feel like it's strong every year, so I'd, I'd probably go I'll, 60. I'll go 60. Yeah. The, 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 maybe the only thing holding me back from 65 is you know, there are a couple guys on the list who may not end up playing shortstop because that's not their best position. You know, I'm not even including Ellie De La Cruz who might break in in another position just because they want to get his bat to the lineup, into the lineup. But, you know, there are a couple guys on this list who may end up moving. You know, we saw Noel V. Marte play third base in the fall league. He's going to keep playing shortstop for now, but he may not stick there. Marco Luciano may not stay at short. Uh, you know, so even Anthony Volpe could end up at, at second base. So, uh, you know, uh, Brooks Lee also uh, may end up at third. But from an offensive standpoint, you know, like, yeah, I, I think a six is a, is a good spot. Yeah, what a what an exciting bunch of names. I mean, look at Volpe at the top, and it's so funny to hear people talk about how he had a down year last year, and some of the numbers were down, but he, what was it, the first 2050 season and. How many years, Jim? I, you know, this Andrew one. Jones in 1995. Yeah, and and you know he was young for his level. He got to AAA at the end of the year. He started slow and then finished stronger. I I was had the same exact thought, Jason. If you had to mention, I was that people we get a lot of pushback. Oh, Volpe's overrated because it, look, I and mean, there's a lot of great shortstops out there. So if you're a fan of another team and you feel like your guy's slighted, you know Anthony Volpe must be overrated. All the guy's done the last two years is he was. Our hitting prospect of the year in 2021, he had as good a season as anybody in the minors in 2021, and then he went 2050 last year. Um, so, uh, you know, you, you, like Jonathan mentioned, like I think ultimately <clears throat> he winds up at second base and not shortstop. I, I think he's got the instincts to play shortstop at the big league level. He's he wouldn't be the rangiest guy or have the strongest arm, but he would make enough plays. I, I think he could play an average shortstop, but you know the Yankees have. You know, other options as well, including, you know, fellow top 100 prospect who was up at the end of last year and and was impressive when he was in Oswald Peraza, who will probably push Volpe to second. But I mean, Volpe, (laughs) he he hits for average, he hits for power, he draws a ton of walks, he steals a ton of bases, even though he's not a blazer. That guy's going to be an offensive force no matter where you put him. Um, so I, I don't get the overrated talk on him either. Yeah, so he went 2050. There's another guy on the list, and Ellie De La Cruz, who, you know, if you're talking about just gaudy numbers put up last year, he made a run at a 3050 season, ended up a, a little shy on, on both ends, but 28 homers, 47 stolen bases, giving off some serious uh, O'Neill Cruz vibes as far as the size and the tools and position go. Um, he's a, about as exciting as a, of a player as there is in the yeah, Just from a dynamic standpoint, I agree with that. Uh, and it's been fun kind of watching. Uh, I remember when he first sort of started coming up in conversations when he made his U.S. debut, and the Red, he kind of forced the Reds to promote him from the complex league to full season ball because it, it was silly to leave him in Arizona. And there are things he needs to work on, but he's so young. He plays with so much uh, joy and passion too that he's fun. He's fun to watch, and uh, I'm excited to see what he does, you know, at the upper levels and see if he can kind of once again force the Reds' hand to to get him up to the big leagues this year. You know, something else that's really interesting and telling about this list, I think, not a single guy on the top ten is over the age of 21. Uh, two guys, 19, Jackson Holiday, the Jacksons, the Jackson two, Holiday and Merrill are 19 years old. Uh, Meyer and Lawler are 20 and the rest are 21. I, I want, I think that might be the only position that you can say that about. And I, I don't know that it's even particularly close. Um, but it, you know, these guys are all young and excelling at competition, much older than them. Um, so not just guys performing against uh, guys around their, their same age. Very impressive. Um, all right, let's, let's move on to the outfield list. Um, and I, I mentioned that, you know, it's about, uh, 
it's it's right up there with shortstops in terms of position players. When you look back at uh, historically at the top 100 prospects list, uh, the largest percentage of players on those top 100 lists has been right-handed pitchers. Um, second most, though, has been outfielders. And uh, outfielders have been gaining on right-handers over the past few years as the pitchers, both right-handers and left-handers, uh, the number of them on top 100 prospect lists has been dipping. Um, but the outfield crop continues to surge. And uh, this year's group, um, very exciting, especially at the top, Corbin Carroll of the D-backs, Jordan Walker of the Cardinals, Jackson Churio of the Brewers, Drew Jones of the D-backs, James Wood of the Nats, Zach Veen of the Rockies, Pete Crow Armstrong of the Cubs, Sal Frelick of the Brewers, Robert Hassel the third of the Nats, and Colton Kowser of the Orioles. And uh, Jim, I know you, you uh, we were talking a little bit off air and uh, before we got into this, but you think there's a, a pretty significant uh, gap from the guys at the top to the guys sort of the middle and lower level of this list. Yeah, I mean, nothing against, you know, Zach Fien and Pete Crow Armstrong and company, but if you look at the top five guys on that list, Corbin Carroll's got the best combination of hitting ability and speed, and he's a really good defender of anybody on the top 100 prospects list. Jordan Walker probably has the best combination of power and arm strength. Jackson Churio was, you know, I think I've pronounced him the breakout prospect of 2022. And if we we did a story on that or we did ranking, uh, James Wood might be number two on that list. And then Drew Jones, who who came out of the draft, was number two overall pick, probably has the best chance of anybody on the top 100 list to have plus tools or better across the board when all is said and done. So, uh, you know, you talked about how shortstop and outfielders, I think, are usually are the sexiest positions on here. That is that is some pretty exciting collections of tools for the top five guys uh, on the top of that list. Yeah, I, I mean, I would agree with that. I don't have even that much to add. It's it, it's super exciting to have this kind of like all tool talent on on this list, and even that back five, which you know there is there's a little bit of a drop off, but there are guys who can do a lot of things really really well. Uh, you know, that's why they're they're on this list and you know on the top 100 and and things like that. But uh, you know. And there aren't as many guys, I think, from this list. Well, maybe I'm speaking too soon. In terms of guys who are going to graduate off this list, so uh, the, you know, with some of those super young guys like Jones and Wood, uh, it'll be interesting to see if they are like the Anchurio, uh, who obviously has pushed his way to the upper levels. You know how they're going to stack up when we re-rank this list. Yeah, I think uh, for me, one of the more interesting names is Sal Frelick, and that's because of the fact that, Jonathan, when you uh, did our pipeline poll and uh, surveyed dozens of scouts and farm directors and front office uh, folks from across the league, his name came up a lot. And uh, as, as far as I think they came, his name came up in categories about most underrated prospect, uh, I think even got a vote for the best hit tool among any prospect. Mm -hmm. um, but, and I think there are a couple other categories as well, but his name is all over the place. Yeah. I mean, the guys hit 331 in the minors now. Um, and last year, you know, made it up to AAA, uh, actually hit better with each move up. Uh, you know, I'm thinking, Jim, you were talking about Tristan Casas, how he's going to be a better big leaguer. I don't think South Frelick can be a better big leaguer than what he's done in the minors. But there are certain guys, especially who like have such great hit tools, who do better once the level of competition gets better. Uh, pitchers are around the strike zone more. Maybe the umpiring gets better. But this is a guy who last year went from high A to triple A and hit 331 with a, an on-base over 400. With you know even a little more extra base pop than I think maybe people thought you know he, he's definitely a, a hit over power guy but he he impacts the ball enough and I think that's probably why he came up in those surveys. All right, that is a look at all of our top ten prospects by position. Uh, 
all of that leading up to the top 100 prospects list, which again, uh, is coming out or came out on January, Thursday, January 26th, depending on when you're listening to this podcast episode, uh, on MLB network at 7 PM Eastern. And obviously go check that out at MLB.com slash pipeline. All right, let's answer our question from the mailbag, which comes from Jack Ramsey. Not Dr. Jack Ramsey. Although, I had to look. Dr. Jack Ramsey has some baseball ties. Really? Uh, Basketball Hall of Famer. uh, Played baseball at St. Joseph's, (laughs) where he uh, started his college basketball coaching career. And he played there for Pep Young, who was a teammate of Ty Cobb with the Tigers from 1915 to 1921. Pep Young was five foot five, collected the eighth most hits in MLB history for any player five, five or shorter. You guys already knew that. Finished 14th in the 1938 National League MVP. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> yep. Uh, and, where, was, uh, where was Pep Young on the 1935 <laughs> pipeline top, top 10 top. second baseman? John, do you remember only, where you where you had him? Jim is the only one who was covering baseball back then. So, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know if he made the list. So, but Doctor Jack Jack Ramsey also coached baseball at St. Joseph. Before uh, he he started, uh, and he got his job at St. Joseph because he ran into the priest who oversaw athletics at St. Joseph's at a Phillies game, and then the next day he called and offered him the job. How much so, did they pay him his first year salary, Jason? I think it was thirty five hundred dollars. Is that right? I think that's how I remember it. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Uh, I will say real quick, I'll I'll, I'll chime in. A lot of the baseball coaches of college programs, you know, even going into like the seventies were guys who coached other sports and was a way for them to get like some extra money. Like baseball was not a, a primary sport of emphasis at a lot of schools. So it's like, I will have the football coach or have the basketball coach or whoever coached the team. a la Dr. Jack Ramsey who knew, we were going to give you this much Dr. Jack Ramsey and Pep Young. In the I did not. I, I did not. I'm, but it's just bonus information. Yeah. So th- this question comes from not Dr. Jack, Jack Ramsey, Jack W. Ramsey on Twitter. says, moot point now. Well, I guess we don't even have to answer this then. Okay. Goodbye. All right, that's, that's a wrap. Now, moot point now, but if the Mets had signed Correa and moved Beatty full-time to left field, how much would that have changed his prospect status relative to the top 100? All right. So... Brett Beatty, the outfielder, the left fielder, compared to Brett Beatty, the third baseman. How much, if at all, does that change his top 100 rank? I don't feel like it would have really changed it at all because you're still, it's still the same ability. Like, like, so even if he would have changed it, like just, I'll give you an example. We just talked about Gunnar Henderson, who we listed as a third baseman. I didn't take away any of his prospect value because the Orioles are more likely to play him at third than short because we know he's capable of playing short. So with Beatty, you know, I still would have had in the back of my mind what he's capable of doing, you know, as a third baseman, even if he's not a third baseman, if that makes sense, Jonathan. I I don't know if you feel differently. I I don't. I I think, yeah, I think the the question might be more interesting because I agree with you. I don't think it would change that much. Um, because of our belief that Brett Beatty could be a third baseman. Uh, the question becomes a little more interesting if you're looking at Brett Beatty and it's determined, you know what, he's not going to be able to play third. He only can play left field. Then that probably impacts him somewhat. Now, I don't think it impacts him that much because we're just very big believers in, in the bat. Yeah, I 60 think he's gonna, hit, 60 power. Yeah, I, mean, I think he's going to hit. And so then the fact that he's, quote unquote, only a left fielder, uh, or let's say he's only going to be able to play first base, I don't think it impacts that that much. Maybe maybe a little bit. Um, you know, same with, like, say, with, with Gunnar Henderson or even L.A. De La Cruz. If it's, you know what, he's not good enough to play shortstop, so he has to play another position – then maybe it moves down a little bit. It's less premium position. Uh, there's less of an impact defensively that you're going to have in left field than third base for Brett Beatty. But because I, you know, I think he'd be fine at third. It's just that there wouldn't have been the opportunity to play third 
then it doesn't impact him. And even then, the move from third to left field, I don't, I don't think is as much of a shift as, well, this guy can't play short or, you know, I not don't a know. Catcher. Maybe, he's not a catcher. He's not he's a catcher. He's got first baseman. Yeah. Right, right, exactly. And then, then it's really almost entirely about the bat, and that, that changes things somewhat. Yeah, and on the kind of flip side of that, we see Jordan Walker moving from outfield uh, from third base to outfield and looking like maybe that even increases his value. I don't I don't know that that affected his ranking either, but you know in our in the small sample size we got last year, the look at his arm uh, looks like that could be uh, uh, quite a value in the outfield for the Cardinals. All right, well, uh, thanks to Jack Ramsey, not Dr. Jack Ramsey. Maybe he is a doctor. I didn't check. Uh, but thanks to Jack Ramsey for that question. Thanks to Ethan Salas for joining us. Thanks to Jesse Sanchez for joining us. Thanks to Jonathan's dog for joining us, a whole <laughs> cast of characters. Thanks to Alex Overington for producing the show. And thanks, Jim and Jonathan, as always, for being here. And thanks to everybody for listening. That's going to do it for this week's episode of the MLB Pipeline Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss an episode. If you're enjoying the show or have any suggestions, leave us a rating and a review. Thanks for listening, everybody. See you next week.